All right, we've been in Daniel, book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel is awesome. Daniel is crazy. Daniel is some of the craziest stuff in the Bible. Um, so we're going to talk about some more crazy stuff tonight. Um, just a quick little recap. Um, as we know, Daniel was uh, an Israelite. Israel was taken, well, was besieged by Babylon, and then Daniel and his friends were placed in the service of the king of Babylon. Um, probably more than likely, as as uh, if you'll remember, Ashpenaz came and visited us a few months back. So more than likely to brainwash them to the Babylonian ways. Um, and that did not work so well. Um, Daniel remained faithful to God through everything uh, and was favored in the kingdom of, uh, or, you know, in Babylon. And then when Babylon was overthrown by the Medo Persians, then he was also favored by them. Um, so much so that Daniel was, after he interpreted a dream from the king, he was placed in charge of Babylon. Um, that just doesn't happen to take a foreigner who you've besieged their land and then because they're so cool, you put them in charge underneath the king of everything that you have. Um, that doesn't happen. Um, through all of that, Daniel never swayed from his faith in his own God. Um, he got in trouble for it a couple of times. And God was faithful to Daniel and his friends. Um, and that had a more lasting impact on the king and the people he served um, than if he had gone out and tried to evangelize, let's say, the Babylonians. Um, Daniel never took credit for any of this. He always gave credit to God. Um, you know, once you're placed in charge of a whole city, you can say, well, now I have some political power here. So how about you let us Israelites go and get back to our own city and do what we need to do? And he, as far as we know, never did that, never took advantage of his position, worked hard for the king uh, and was blessed because of it and always trust God and the prophecies that he knew about before that to... Um, know that they were going to be in exile for a while and just trust God that he's in charge. So uh, then he had some crazy visions, which we've been talking about, and there's a couple more to come, uh, which are pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, all in all, Daniel has been blessed by God in a foreign land, um, and that's pretty rad. Um. So, tonight we're jumping back a few uh, to the beginning of chapter 9, which we skipped, and we went to the end of 9, Mike did two weeks ago, and then last week we did chapter 10, uh, which were a couple of the visions. Uh, so tonight we're going to do chapter 9, which is a prayer that Jonah gave, uh, and it's basically a good model of effective prayer, um, so pay attention. Uh, we'll jump right in here. Uh, in the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, 
who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So, um, yeah, so the, the Israelites have been out of uh, Jerusalem and out of Israel for 50, 60 years, something like that at this point. Um, Daniel's an old man. Daniel is in his 80s at this point in time. Um, and as he read in Jeremiah, um, who was sort of a contemporary of, of Daniel, um, probably read some letters from Jeremiah that were written a few decades before Daniel, um, that Daniel had this word that the Israelites would be exiled for 70 years. So it's been 50, 60 years at this point. All of a sudden, the Babylonians who besieged Israel have now been overthrown by the Medo-Persians. Daniel's probably thinking God is up to something. I better pray about this and see what's going on. So, um, verse 3, So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting, and in sackcloth and ashes. Uh, Basically, for those of you who know the Bible, you've heard that phrase a lot. Basically, it means Daniel was humbling himself, um, fasting, you know, just giving up food or whatever for God just to say uh, you are more important. Sackcloth is a lot of times made from camel hair, very itchy. Like if you put on a wet wool sweater, just kind of. And then ashes were, you know, to sprinkle ashes on your head basically to Identify with the dead is one way. Uh, another way is just to be dirty, to be humble, to be unclean sort of thing. So Daniel uh, is basically getting serious here with this prayer, basically. He's, he's a pretty esteemed guy at this point. Um, on, on the earth with people, among men, and with God, who's given him these visions and who have rescued him. And he is taking this very seriously and is humbling himself. Um, so, jumping to verse 4. Uh, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. He starts, right, he starts this prayer right off with worship. Um, praising God, um, basically acknowledging who God is in his life. Um, We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us because 
of our unfaithfulness to you. We and our kings, our princes, and our ancestors are covered with shame, Lord, because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. So he goes, starts out with, starts out with worship and jumps right into confession of sins. In this particular case, confession of sins of all of Israel. So the Israelites were ousted from their home. They've been in captivity for quite a long time at this point, and they have not stopped sinning. Um, you know, and if they're anything like me, uh, I'm not a super patient person. So, you know, probably after the first year of captivity, I would have been like, screw it. God's not coming through for me. So what's the point? And just keep sinning and keep sinning and keep sinning. Cause, um, so Daniel is confessing that. Daniel is saying we, saying us, all of Israel. Daniel includes himself in that sin of his people. Uh, then, yeah, so the in verse 11, it says, All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey, for, obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God. Um, this didn't just happen to them randomly because the Babylonians were a more powerful people. Um, this was foretold through Moses. Uh, in a couple different places, but in Leviticus, it talks about the prophecy that Moses said will happen to the Israelites if they don't pay attention and obey. Then, uh, so we'll keep going. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster on us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. Uh, Jonah is now acknowledging the faithfulness of God. Uh, and that may seem weird. You're like, what, what, what faithfulness of God? Well, God was faithful. He gave this word to Moses in Leviticus that, if Israel did not turn from their sin, 
they would be besieged. And God is faithful, and now it has happened. And Daniel is just acknowledging that. Um, yeah, and acknowledging God's faithfulness. We'll jump to Leviticus 26. Will. So this is, the, this is Leviticus 26, um, verse 40 through 46. But if they will confess their sins and the sins of their ancestors, their unfaithfulness and their hostility toward me, which made me hostile toward them so that I sent them into the land of their enemies, then when their uncircumcised hearts are humbled and they pay for their sin, I will remember my covenant with Jacob and my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. For the land will be deserted by them and will enjoy its Sabbaths while it lies desolate without them. They will pay for their sins because they rejected my laws and abhorred my decrees. Yet in spite of this, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not reject them or abhor them so as to destroy them completely, breaking my covenant with them. I am the Lord their God, but for their sake, I will remember the covenant with their ancestors, whom I brought out of Egypt in the sight of the nations to be their God. I am the Lord. These are the decrees, the laws, and regulations that the Lord established at Mount Sinai between himself and the Israelites through Moses. Um, so Daniel's referencing that. Daniel, uh, in, you know, in some form, had the writings of Moses and letters from some of the prophets and stuff at that point in time. Uh, and probably knew them well, probably prayed over them. So that's what he's referring to in this part. Um, yeah, just acknowledging God's faithfulness, God's power. Uh, so then we move into verse 15. Now, Lord, our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned, we have done wrong. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. And now Daniel has moved into petitioning God uh, for what he wants. Um, he's, and he's not being shy about it. He's not beating around the bush. He's saying, listen, Lord. Forgive, hear, and act. Do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. But he's not asking God for this for himself. He's not whining, like, God, please just bring me back into 
Israel, like blah, blah, blah. No, he's, he's saying under God's authority for God's sake. Lord, do what you have promised and restore us to our homeland and our, our country. Um, this is key in prayer. And this is what I'm going to focus on tonight. Is praying God's will in your prayers. And not just tagging it on at the end, if it be the will of God. You know, here's what I want, but, you know, whatever you want, God. No, it's not. But actually praying, you're confessing to God that you want what he wants. Um, oh, thanks. Um, we'll go through verse 23, because this is interesting. Mike touched, touched on this two weeks ago, but while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and making my requests to the Lord my God for his holy hill, uh, the prayer probably was more than this. Daniel probably had been praying for a better part of the day at this point. This is just what he recorded. Um, so he says, while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin, confessing his own sin, as well as the sin of his people Israel, and making his requests known to God. While I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. This is what Mike talked about. But I find this interesting. I, I say this is a model of effective prayer because while Daniel was still praying, he got a word from God. Um, and as Gabriel says, as soon as you began to pray, at some point earlier in the day, a word went out, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Uh, as we learn in the vision, Gabriel didn't specifically answer Daniel's prayer of sending Israel back to their homeland. But he gave him a vision of what was to come and so that he knew Israel would be restored to his homeland as well as things even past that in the future. So uh, I, I'd say that's pretty effective praying when you get an angel of the Lord who appears to you while you're still praying and Gives you comfort, tells you what's going to happen. So, um, yeah, we've been talking a lot about prayer here at Scum for the last few months. We're going to be going into a time of prayer uh, at the end of this month um, of fasting and prayer for Scum specifically. Uh, and this will be good to remember as a good form of how to pray, how to petition God, how to Confess to God that you want what he wants, um, not what you want. Um, we'll go to James 4, uh, and it kind of explains this a little bit better. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. 
do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Um, Jump down to... Did I put verse 8 on there? Yeah, verse 8 on there. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Um, This is what Daniel has done. He's doing it all under God's power. He's humbling himself not to prove anything, but just so that God can then lift him up and lift Israel up, all in God's power and God's authority. Um, So, yeah, how many of us, when we pray, we pray for what we want? We pray, even if you're not praying for yourself, you're praying for your friends, you're praying... It's just a it's a subtle shift in language, but one that I think is huge um, when you're talking to God and you want something to come of it, either an answer, either some comfort from Him, or even to you know direct answer to what you're praying for. Um, how many of you pray for these things under God's power with His? purpose in mind rather than just whining about stuff that you want. Um, So the word um, confess basically just means to make known. All you're doing is you're making known your thoughts to God. So, um, what Daniel has done here is he has confessed that he wants what God wants. Uh, and that's he, I think. That's something we probably all could work on. Um, what does that look like? There's a lot of different ways to kind of look at that. Um, I'm going to go through a few here, and you'll kind of get the idea and just kind of think about how this plays out in your own life, in your own prayer life. Um, You know, are you looking at God as a candy machine that you put in the right words, put in the right prayer, pull the handle, and you get what you want? Or are you looking at things from God's perspective? Um, So... Um, we're gonna, I'm going to look at the idea. I'm going to look at a few things here, and we're going to kind of run down these. Um, the idea of culture. You know, Daniel lived against his culture and always remained faithful to God. Uh, if that's something you are looking for, if that's something you struggle with, how do you pray for that? Um, Daniel, the whole book of Daniel, is a good place to start. Pray that God will give you power, not just to 
resist sin and temptation, but so that he can be glorified through your resisting of sin and temptation. Get the idea here? Finances. It's a big one for me. I suck at finances. Uh, for years, I whined to God. God, why aren't you taking care of me? Uh, I'm doing what you want. Uh, so now gimme. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I'm not looking to be rich. I've never been rich. Um, but still felt like God was, you know, cutting the deck short and not giving me everything that I deserved. There was no specific moment of confession or confession of sin in this area. It was a process. But basically it got to the point where um, I realized just practical things about my spending habits. I don't do well with invisible money. Bank cards are evil. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out there. Uh, credit cards, yeah, all that stuff. Um, so I switch to cash only. And when I run out of cash at the end of the month, then I don't buy anything else. Uh, it's as simple as that. And my finances have improved greatly over the last two years because of that practical thing. Um, on the mental side of that, just being stressed about finances, being stressed about bills, being stressed about all this stuff, I finally said to God one day, okay, God, um, you've called me to various things throughout my life, but where I am presently, you've called me here. Uh, and I know from your faithfulness in the past that you have always taken care of me. I've never been without a place to live. I've always had food to eat. God's faithfulness has always been there. I can see that in my life, but I still felt that I was not getting what I deserved. And so I finally just said, and I was stressing, I was stressing about money. And I finally said, okay, God, I don't have enough money to pay my bills. So you're the guy in charge. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. Uh, I'm done stressing about money. I've, I've done practical things to improve my financial situation. But now you got to take control of this and make it happen because I'm through with it. And he did. So I confessed my shortcomings. I gave it over to him. And I don't worry about money anymore. Um, and I have plenty. And I have more children than I did back then. And I have more stuff that I'm responsible for. And I probably make less money than I did before. And I'm doing better than I've done in my entire life. Um, so it's just like I said, you're shifting your priorities. Um, so how do, how do you know what God wants in these things? How did I know what God wants? Read your Bible, people. Study, talk to people, learn things. 
at the risk of preaching health and wealth gospel here, Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And if you do this, I will pour out so much blessing on you that you won't know what to do with this. What you won't know what to do with it. Doesn't mean financial blessing necessarily. But it means if you give to God what belongs to God, and if you honor him with your finances, he will bless you. Uh, and I can say that I've witnessed that in my life. I've seen it happen. Um, work. Colossians 3.23 says, Work as unto the Lord, um, and you will be blessed. Uh, you, you have a job. I know there are people in this room who have jobs, and they hate their boss. And they dislike their job. What do you do? Um, do you whine and bitch about your boss? Do you complain about your job? Do you show up late? Do you do these things? Confess to God that you do these things and confess that you want what he wants. If you work for a for-profit company, this is the way I did it. I'm not saying I'm so great, look at me, but... Again, you work for a for-profit company, your job is to make money for that company, for your boss. So if you start working as unto the Lord, if you start honoring God with how you work, if you start putting your boss and the people you work with before yourself, God will bless you in that job had two different job experiences where my boss was same type of personality type. The one was horrible. I worked there for five years, and almost every day of it, I hated. I loved the work that I did. I hated the people I worked with. Um, I was fired from that job, probably because of my attitude. Uh, and God was saying, okay, if you hate this job that much, bye-bye, two weeks before Christmas. Um, so then I moved up here, moved into a job with a similar type of boss who had a similar personality, and I changed the way I worked under that uh, person, and I found favor with that person. So much so... I don't even work there anymore, but I still have keys to the building. I still am on payroll. I still can have work whenever I want it or need it. Um, and they let my band practice in the building because it's a warehouse down by the train tracks so we can make as much noise as we want. And they don't charge us any rent for it or anything. And I have keys to the building. So, because I just made the decision, I'm here to work to make money for this guy in his business. Uh, and, yeah, gave that over to God. God, okay, this is the job you've given me. This is the place where I'm at. I'm going to work hard at it. Um, and I found favor with that guy. So, uh, if you don't have a job and you've been looking for a job Maybe it's time to get humble. 
and take a job at Starbucks or something else. I said that this morning, and Matt Jurgensen went, hey, because he works at Starbucks. So no offense to people if you work at Starbucks, but, uh, you know, confess that you want what God wants. What does God want for you? Does he want you to sit around at home? Just because you know that that good job is out there for you somewhere uh, and you're not paying your bills and you're frustrated with your life? Or does he want you to move on? Does he want to have the opportunity to pour out blessing upon you in a work-related area? Um, Marriage. What does God want for you in your marriage? You have a good marriage. Confess to God that you have a good marriage. And ask him what he wants you to do with that marriage. Your marriage, not so good. And you're thinking about bailing. Confess to God that you're thinking about bailing and ask him what he wants. In Malachi 2, it says, God hates divorce. Does that mean God hates you? No. Does that mean if you are divorced, there's something wrong with you or you won't find favor with God? No, that's not what this is saying at all. But if you are looking at divorce as an option in your life, in your marriage, confess that to him and ask him if there's alternatives that would glorify him through this process. Um, If you are already divorced, again, same thing. Ask God how he can be blessed and glorified through your current situation uh, with your ex-spouse, ex-family, whatever. This is hard. God never said it would be easy. But as he promised with Moses in Leviticus, Yet in spite of this, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not reject them. Um, Yeah. So, God is not rejecting you. God is just saying there are consequences to your actions. But, again, uh, you know, it's hard. It's not necessarily supposed to be easy. If you're bailing on something because you want an easier way, it's probably not what God wants for you. Um, uh, relationships in general. Philippians 2 says, Do nothing out of vain conceit or selfish ambition, but consider others better than yourself. If you're having a hard time in a relationship, it's probably because you are being selfish. And you need to lift up that other person in the relationship, consider them better than yourself, and I bet you will see a change happen for the good in that relationship. You probably know people who do this on a regular basis, and they're the people you want to be friends with. They're the people you crave time with. Why? 
because they pay more attention to you than they do themselves. Uh, what would happen if we all did this to each other? Uh, then we'd all like hanging out with each other all the time. It'd be awesome. Um, Kids, for those of you who have kids, these are the two verses that I use all the time. Proverbs 22, train up a child in the way he should go, and he will not depart from you, or he will not depart from that training. Uh, Colossians 3.21, fathers, do not exasperate your children. These are the two verses that I, as a father, that go through my head probably daily. Um, And I confess these things to the Lord and say, Lord, help me train up my children so that they may glorify you. Lord, I can be a jerk to my children Help me not to exasperate them so that I can be more holy, that they will grow to not resent me later in life or resent parts of my personality. Um, You probably have people in your family that you resent things about them because they exasperate you. Uh, Pray for that as well. Pray for healing there. Pray for understanding. Um, But again, if you're doing the Philippians 2, do nothing out of vain conceit thing, and that even helps with those exasperating people if you're looking to their needs more than your own. Um, Church. Uh, I work here. I hear a lot about... What goes on around here? I hear the good. I hear the bad. I hear people complaining. I hear people excited about things. Um, Scum's not a perfect place. Nowhere is. But confess these things to God. Make them known. Like, God, I'm, I'm really frustrated with whatever here at Scum of the Earth. What could I do in this situation that would glorify you? How could I handle this situation? Um, Yeah, that would glorify you uh, in a better way, Uh, positive and negative. I don't want to get, I don't want to get legalistic here. I don't want to get health and wealth here. Saying, you know, if you do these things, God will just. You know, give you everything you want. Because um, the last part of this thing is then once you do pray for all these things that you deal with in your life, then listen, pay attention. Because God may send an answer in the form of something that you're not familiar with. Um, Daniel knew Gabriel because he'd had a vision eight years or so earlier. Uh, and so he knew, recognized Daniel, but still was probably not expecting to get the future spelled out for him while he was praying this prayer. So pay attention after you pray. Listen to what God is saying to you. Um, he might 
say it while you're still praying. Anybody had this happen to them before? Gotten an answer or just something? Maybe even a chill out, relax? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, anybody remember when Susan Isaacs was here? <laughs> um, yeah. What the F, God? And God directly spoke right back to her and said, Shut the F up, Susan. And pay attention because I am doing something in your life. Um, sometimes it can even be that. Sometimes it can, you know, just be God saying, Not time for that. Chill out. Relax. Or God giving you an answer. Um, so, that's what I got. When you pray, worship, confess, acknowledge God's power, and then you can ask him for what you want. As long as you're not um, asking with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. Because you're putting other people before yourself. Uh, hopefully that was the right amount of harsh. Uh, that's what I've been praying for all week. I wanted to be harsh. I wanted to, this is what the Bible says, folks. Um, but do these things. If you honor God, he will honor you and lift you up. Let him lift you up.